0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Opus Energy Insights on Barron's Live. I'm Denton St. Chief Oil Analyst with Opus, a Dow Jones company. My guest today is my colleague, Bridget Hunsucker. She's the Opus Director of Global Carbon Markets. Welcome, Bridget. And uh, appropriately enough, we're talking the day before Earth Day. It's April 21st. Uh, Earth Day is April April 22nd, tomorrow. So, so welcome, and uh, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here.
0: Yeah, and, you know, the best thing is, appropriately enough, the theme for Earth Day this year is called Invest in Our Planet. So I think that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, you've been following the voluntary carbon markets uh, for Opus for several years now, and you really can explain the, the ins and outs and the role the carbon markets are, are playing in, in climate action. We've seen plenty of companies uh, commit to, to net zero carbons. And we're going to discuss that a little bit today. Uh, but there's a lot of mixed messages out there as more and yeah. more companies uh, enter the the, the pledges, uh, it gets even more confusing. So hopefully, you could shed some light on that today. Uh, there's also more recently been claims of of uh, greenwashing and really, uh, I guess, invalid offsets out there. So hopefully, we could uh, get, you could set, shed some light and uh, help us understand this stuff a little bit better. So. We'll start really at the top or at the bottom whichever way you want to describe it but let's start with probably what might be the most basic question of all what is a carbon market and how does a carbon offset work
1: okay yes so first let me say that you're right it is very confusing and i'm definitely going to do my best to help us unpack that today um we'll, we will see so in a nutshell a carbon market is a trading system where carbon credits are sold and bought. So one tradable carbon credit is worth a metric ton of emissions. And in this market, it works, in, it works. Um, it's a two-way street. So you have companies that are looking to buy the credits for, you know, whatever their emissions reduction goals might be. But then you also have, you know, project developers on the other side of it that are building in, Uh, maintaining climate projects and that are you know those are the ones that are actually issuing the offsets so it's there's a way um the way that it works as far as how um you know the companies go about and you know buying the offsets is they, you know, again, they look at their goals and they decide, you know, do we have any you know hard to abate type sectors within this? And um is there a way that we need to we can't maybe reduce our operational emissions at this moment, but we can look at you know, look buying offsets and using those um exactly to do that to offset their emissions where they can't reduce them straight away. Way. So it's kind of a way to to jumpstart some of those goals.
0: Okay, so a little bit of a quick follow up. We all know about uh, planting trees, etc., or or maintaining uh, forestry. What are what's another example of an offset project? You know, besides those most commonly referred to ones.
1: So, I mean, I think that, you know, there's there's over 200 different types of of offset projects. So it's a very wide swath. And I think that, um, you know, we're looking at a lot of renewables. So um, solar energy, things like of that nature are producing um, credits as well, although some of those are brought into the renewable energy credits markets, which is another type of offset. But um, I would say, I mean, you wanted a different one, but I think that it's really what we can look at is you know what is the most um expected for quality and what is the most, you know, the biggest, um, I guess, markets within the voluntary carbon markets. And that is definitely going to be your forestry projects, um, your nature-based solutions, as they're called. Um, And, you know, also a lot of folks are looking at these days like removals versus reduction. So that's another thing to consider. And, you know, under those umbrellas of removals and reductions, that's where all those different types of um, projects kind of fall into place. So,
0: that's kind of the, um, the hierarchy of it. Okay. Okay, cool. Yeah. So uh, yeah, not confusing at all. So, <laughs> but o- over the past several years, uh, carbon offsetting has grown in popularity, obviously, as, as more and more companies make this, make the commitment. Um, over the next few decades, how does a company reduce its carbon footprint using offsets? And why are they finding it this to be the, the proper move or the step in the right direction?
1: Yeah, so I think that um, it's kind of being the right place at the right time. Um, I think, you know, I will just wanted to also mention that um, the voluntary carbon market is a, a, it's a, you know, an emerging market, but it's also a, a very old market. So, um, in, at least in the scope of what, you know, most people view it as. So, it's been around for 25, 30 years. Um, but we had these processes going on. So when you know, whenever the, the Paris Agreement was signed and um in 2015 and there was a lot of momentum that came to play about you know we need to reduce emissions, we need to do something about climate change. And I think that the voluntary carbon market was, you know, just sitting there and it was ripe for you know this type of opportunity to be able to you know maybe people talk about scaling it up. so scaling it up to where um, you know there is plenty of offsets there in the pool and you know, and so that's kind of what's been going on that side. But then when it comes to you know the so-called corporate buyers, you know, they're able to, like I said, look at that. Um, they they wanted to go ahead and you know pledge their net zero ob- um, obligations, those voluntary obligations that we've seen countless of those being coming out, you know, in the last couple of years. So they needed to look for a way to get, you know, to jumpstart that and to really be able to start those emissions reductions. So it was kind of a natural fit. It was a natural fit that, you know, they went looking for opportunity and Mm -hmm. here the voluntary carbon market was with climate projects and you know um climate carbon offsets just sitting there to, to be bought up um now you know when all that demand came in of course it did you know really ramp up production of offsetting as well so that's where we've seen that growth come in over the last um couple of years
0: well it's it's really interesting that this has been you know a, 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 you know kind of a a growing industry but something that's been around for for quite some time so and i just wonder if you know, more recently, the voluntary carbon market seems to be you know taking some hits here from from the media and organizations that are questioning some of the scientific methods and using verifying the climate projects mm-hmm. that, that generate these, these credits. Uh, also, been discussion around uh, credit quality and, and integrity in offsetting. Uh, you know, some of this scrutiny. You know, it seems to be also even though we said this is this is kind of an older market, it's it probably still in its you know, growing pain stage, if you will. But can you explain the, the scrutiny on some of these credits and, and how it's impacted the, the voluntary market uh, industry and, and also those doing the offsetting as well?
1: Oh, certainly. So, I mean, this is something that we've been watching very closely, you know, at Opus because we deal with um, with pricing these credits. So we're always looking at um, supply and demand of fundamentals and those factors coming into play. And, you know, first thing I'll say is that in the voluntary carbon market or the voluntary carbon market is very delicate. So anytime that any type of scrutiny comes out against carbon offsetting or emissions baselines or what these credits are really worth, the tangible, um, worth of these credits, it can very much drive demand much lower. We'll see it slump. Um, It's just, I've never seen a market actually this delicate to um, news that gets put out, to be honest. And I think um, what we have, what we have seen is an uptick in this because, you know, we're not all scientists, like you mentioned, it's really confusing, right? And so even though there's been um, these, you know, carbon registries that have methodology set up that have been kind of Long-standing, a lot which are in revision at this point as well uh, because of some of this. Um, they've had verificate very detailed verification pro, um, prog- um, excuse me, verification um, processes mm-hmm. for a long time, right? So. Now what we have is, you know, a lot of attention getting, um, getting involved. And of course that makes sense because if we're, you know, buying it more of these credits and, you know, there's, there's watchdogs that are watching what corporates are doing. And if, you know, they are, of course people are going to, you know, just try to, you know, decide if, you know, their credit or their worth or value by doing their own analysis and their own data. So when something like that comes out, um, which we have seen an uptick. And it it does um, really dampen demand. And I think one thing you mentioned quality. So one thing that we will, I, I'm sure that this will continue to happen, you know, this, especially through this year. But what we have right now in the carbon um, industry is um, several task force that have gotten together with a, a lot of smart folks, and they are trying to, they have a the really, really hard, challenging job of, you know, organizing all those projects and where they should fit, which I was saying before, going back and really looking at how that methodology was developed, um, unpacking pretty much everything up to this point and reviewing it. And then now what they're doing is really looking at it and say, okay, well, what defines quality? What is a quality credit and what standards, you know, should be in place to ensure that kind of what you get is, um, what you thought it was right and that it really is having that that um, emissions reduction so yeah we this is just like I said a huge topic right now and um, you know we've had some we've had some um, strides recently with um, the the task force for scaling the voluntary carbon markets integrity um, integrity council so I know you mentioned that there's a lot of we were talking earlier and you mentioned there's a lot of acronyms well that's true (laughs) so this is one of them but you know, they recently just released, after three years of work, their um, core carbon principles. So this is just the first release of this. It's kind of a first wave. It's very very broad, but it's getting to the heart of really defining what the quality is of these credits and how to um, how to measure, review and verify these projects and measure those emissions. So. Because of this, you know, what they're doing is creating kind of a common language that, you know, people in the industry can understand, but also, you know, those of us that are, you know, not only watching it, but maybe people that are thinking about investing and want to make mm-hmm. sure that they're getting, you know, they're, they're doing the, you know, getting their values worth and they're making sure that they're, they're trusted and that they're really making you know, the climate impact that they hope to. They'll be able to look at this also as sort of a guide to help them understand so that's that's my
0: thought on it. Okay, great, great. And it is uh 12:10 or right around there. So, uh, I'd like yeah. to remind the audience that you could submit questions in the Q&A and uh, well, I'm sure we're going to get to some in, in a few minutes here. So, I uh, just wanted to continue the conversation. So, as we were saying before, uh you know, carbon offsetting is now pretty much in, ingrained in the in the net zero plans, you know, all over the world. Uh so after the scrutiny, uh and the challenge that are still being addressed as you just illustrated uh, is a voluntary carbon market still going to grow kind of as expected
1: so um the simple answer is yes folks do think that it will, that it will continue to grow. I mean, there's been challenges and road bumps, but I'm sure if you looked back at many markets that, you know, as they're coming together and solidifying and maturing that this is probably a common thing that happens, right? So, and work is well underway, like I was saying, to define quality and also to set up the proper um, sort of infrastructure for trading, which is a completely different challenge that is happening in the voluntary carbon market at this moment too. So I'd say, even though, you know, like I said, momentum has stalled this year kind of for macroeconomic factors and because of that scrutiny we talked about, um, you know, that really makes people rethink their positions, but you know, it's still the same plan. So, um, over the last, um, several years it has grown tremendously. So it was about a, um, 0.5 0.5 billion dollar market, I think, in 2020, which is more than 2 billion now for valuation. And it's expected to reach um, by 2030, it's going to reach 30 billion Oof. is what the ex- some that's on the high end of the scale, but still, I mean, and that's of course looking, you have to factor in a lot of things, credit prices, demand, all of that. But you know, it is now, you know, considered to be a big part of stopping climate change and we've had countless, you know, companies buy into this. So it's kind of no turning back at this point, um, more than I think that they would want to. I think that, you know, some, most of the scrutiny that we've seen, like I said, will be hopefully identified and um, addressed within the quality descriptions that are coming, you know, that are going to be coming out.
0: Well, sounds like a lot of things need to go right, but it sounds like there's also just tremendous potential there as well. So, right. uh, one more question before we get to some some audience questions here. But you know, taking into account the expectations of growth and, and and also the current voluntary carbon market landscape, you know, what do investors need to know about the about the voluntary carbon credit price?
1: So, um, you know, price, of course, uh, or sorry, quality is a big factor in the price. Um, and so when you are thinking about what type of credit you want to purchase and you're, you know, you're basically, you know, you're kind of surveying the landscape and seeing what's out there. And of course you're, you know, you're likely going to want to go with something that is um, highly accredited, highly verified, um, tangible, a tangible emissions reduction that you can point to and say, yes, this really happened. And it's gonna cost more to get that, right? but. Um, so I would say the first thing is that price is very much tied to quality. So expect to, you know, pay up and hopefully even pay up a little bit more, you know, because at the end of the day, you're supporting a climate project, right? It's a cyclical um, situation. So the funding that, you know, you're, you're buying offsets, maybe um, Signing those Ford contracts to actually support this project and, and make those emissions reductions and whatever else co- you know what other co benefits come along with that. Um, so yes, that was that would be pretty much what I would say about price, um, you know uh, for price transparency, that is definitely one of the challenges that um, came up, you know when we started doing this. Um, back in 2020 is when we first started kind of really looking at voluntary carbon markets after being in the compliance carbon market space for some time. Um, And there was no price transparency whatsoever. It's incredibly difficult to price or have a price that makes sense on these credits um, across the board, because unlike other products, you know, like gasoline, crude, any of these things, um, There's no fungibility, there's no natural fungibility in this market. So the price landscape is very confusing, um, almost as confusing as all these concepts we've already talked about today. So, but, you know, we were able at Opus will say we were able to, you know, we've have methodology that we've created to be able to make daily prices for, you know, several types of the uh, most liquid markets, the voluntary carbon market. So there is pricing out there. And I would just, you know, suggest that you would want to definitely do a lot of homework and make sure that, you know, the, the price that you are, that you're settling on for your contracts is a fair and, you know, a fair value, but also fair to the climate project that you're working on
0: working uh, with. And and one quick follow up to that, you mentioned uh, liquidity. Can you give an example of what perhaps one of the what's the most liquid offset? If that, you know, kind of makes sense? What what kind of what type of project is the most liquid and sees the most most trading and, and most activity?
1: Sure. So, um, that would be, um, your forestry projects. Okay. So, um, that would be red plus, and it would also be um, a forest station, um, reforestation and blue carbon. I won't get into those, um, you know, too much about what those specific projects are right now, but that is, you know, what the industry at this point considers to be qualities of perception, right. And It's what is perceived to be of the most quality. And a lot of that, too, is because of the so called kind of co benefits that go along with it, the SDGs. So maybe you have a, um, you know, there's a project in um, Kenya and it's a rainforest project, essentially, Mm -hmm. but you also have other things going on there. Maybe there's a clean drinking water aspect or, you know, women in the workforce aspect that all come into play. Um, So those types of co benefits, those types of credits are very attractive and make up, I think, the, the majority of um, the liquidity that we see. Um, also, the, the um, on the other side of it, there's also the renewables credits that I mentioned um, previously, um, and credits that fall under the CORSIA guidelines, which is the, um, it's the Emissions Reduction Program for International Aviation. Again, will not another acronym, I'm not going to get into too much of that right now, but if you're interested, of course you can read up on that. Um, And those credits are, you know, you have to have a certain type of credit to fall under that methodology has to be verified for that. So that's another really large and liquid market as well. But between across the board for those credits, the pricing is like is like one dollar to thirty dollars per credit. Just to give you an idea of the scale that you will see, you know, again, getting back to pricing when you look at the prices out there. Um, so there's a lot to, um, you know, to, to look into and just to make sure that you're getting the credit that you, you know, you want. And um, I think that with Red Plus and um, AR and Blue Carbon, the, the more emerging, you know, credits, um, that is really going to give those that quality factor that's becoming, you know, has always been important, but now is in the limelight becoming more and more important.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and I think I need a list of those uh, those acronyms printed out, put it next to me, so I could, you know, not be uh, so behind the eight ball. But you did mention Red Plus, and that kind of segues nicely into into our first question from Javier. So, what is your forecast of market behavior for nature-based solutions credits, and especially for Red Plus credits for the rest of twenty twenty-three? So
1: um, that's an interesting question, and one that we are. You know, following, of course, very closely at Opus, considering that we do, you know, that we do um, assess those markets. And so it's been a wild ride so far in 2023 in the red plus market. So what I can say, I'll, I'll give a little bit of a, you know, just kind of like what has happened um, so far this year. We've seen, of course, um, the price. It, it's been a yo-yo, but it has um, plummeted quite a bit. Um you know, for part of it, just because those macroeconomic factors that I was talking about, and then also, of course, the scrutiny that came down that I was, we were referring to earlier was because, was on Red Plus projects. So okay. that caused, you know, a lot of demand to kind of fall out. But of course, we also, there's also seasonality that's coming into it as well. So for the rest of 2023, you know, I think it's going to depend a lot on macroeconomic climate and also those quality standards and where they are and how, you know, how folks are starting to kind of decipher those to um, get some trust back. Because once these, you know, articles come out or reports, whatever, I mean, it takes a little while to really, you know, look at that and to say, you know, to break it all down and then for trust to come back into the market. So, but I do think you know the general um, ascent of the price that is expected will continue. There will still continue to be investments because you know, like I said, every, we're all in now, so it's not going anywhere. Um, so we can expect that going forward.
0: Okay, great, thank you. And here's a question from Colin. So, how far away is the carbon credit system from ensuring credits result in measurable emissions offsets? And is there a threat that actual accountability? Makes the system too costly for buyers or sellers,
1: yeah, that's a really good question. Um, and one that's very, very timely. I was actually just talking to some some people about this. So you know with the core carbon principles that I mentioned earlier, there is going to be a label that is attached to those on the actual carbon credit when you go to purchase it. So it will say CCP. It's the verification, and you will know it qualifies under those quality standards. But you know that's a big question about where who's going to pick up those costs. And from what I've been told and discussed, it is probably go- or it could fall to the um, project developer, which in turn you know would make the um, the projects more costly and also the credits more costly. So I think it's going to raise the cost for everybody, buyers and sellers. Um, Problem with the project developers is that, you know, some have a lot of capital and a lot of financing behind them, but also there's many that are nonprofits, right? And they mm-hmm. may not be able to, um, you know, garner those extra costs that they need to to be able to maybe heighten their their projects to get to the level that they need for that verification for the CCP. So Will it be too costly to, you know, for buyers and sellers to handle? I think it's going to be harder for sellers. I feel like buyers are going to be coming into this market already, kind of realizing, you know, that the the forecast for the price and that will be built in. I'm not sure when it's going to start showing up. Um, still, probably another year away or so before we see those labels coming out. I would imagine, but um, you know, we will start to see that in the price forecast, and I think it'll be built in naturally, and I think buyers will adjust.
0: Okay, great. Uh, here's a question from Maya. What are the different types of offsets a company can invest in?
1: Great. So, yes, we kind of already covered that just, you know, a little bit with the different different ones that I have mentioned already. But like I said, it runs the gamut from, um, you know, renewables. You have um, tech credits out there. You have cook stoves. There's, um, you know, the Red Plus, ARR, Blue Carbon, um, Improved Forest Management. The list goes on and on. I would just suggest that if you're interested in um, knowing more about the different types of projects specifically, that you kind of just, you know, take a look, do some research and maybe just kind of ask yourself, what are you interested in? What part of climate action do you want to take? What part do you want to be in that? You know, what impact do you, does your company want to have? And then go from there, because anything that you can imagine is probably available. <laughs>
0: If you think it up, you could uh, you could you could find something for if it. If it's an, an
1: issue thing. in the world, you know, and there's emissions reductions attached, then you may be able to find a, you know, a carbon credit for that. Also, there's regionality too. So a lot of buyers like to actually buy credits from their region or where mm-hmm. they where they're, you know, where their their footprint actually is, where they're actually making that that carbon footprint. So that's another thing to think about too. Regionally, you know. Where are you, and is there something by you that you want to support, or you know, is it across the world? But either way, uh, you know, one one ton of emissions reduced, um, you know, reduction is is good anywhere in the world. It's a it's a globally, you know, one ton anywhere is the same as another. So
0: yeah, emissions don't just stop at a border. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, one from Noel here: Is there standardization on the near term horizon? Uh, and will private sector will will be established by the private sector or the government
1: okay so this also goes back to the the quality and what we were talking about you know this big push in the voluntary carbon market to achieve some sort of standardization that you know has kind of just happened because of all of the, the disorganization that was there to begin with they're kind of having to put all the ducks in the row so to answer your question the private sector is the one that is currently doing the organization um, in the standardization or trying to achieve standardization um it's a big big challenge can hardly help wrap my own mind around it um <laughs> But as far as um, the governmental approach, um, that you know, that could come if there is a, you know, down the road, if there's a decision to have a global carbon um, offset price, then that's when we would definitely see some, um, you know, some standardization um kicking in and again I'm talking about the voluntary carbon markets here. If you're talking about regulator markets or um you know compliance markets or cap and trade as it's called, then it's a it's different. There's definitely going to be um standardization. Um and for many of those the the trading infrastructure and just the the trade um the way that it's already you know trading is built out is, is already in that structure. So yeah.
0: It's already pretty standardized. Yeah, it
1: is standardized. It's it's, it's gotten there. And it's also, you know, it's the, most of those. Um, but, you know, we've had some new entrants lately, which has been exciting to the compliance side. But um, many are, you know, they're, they've been around for a while and um, they're very, very liquid.
0: Okay, great, great. So uh, here's one from Eric. Uh, question on whether you are seeing price difference in, in high quality offsets. I, th- I think you mentioned a little bit about there. So maybe a little bit more detail this time. Uh, and they should probably trade more often or, or be a lot more liquid than than everything else? Yes.
1: Thanks, Eric. That's a great question. Um, so yes, we are definitely seeing a price difference. We are seeing, you know, I guess a, like I said, it's the scale, you know, can be from 90 cents to $30. So on the very high end of this um, scale is the blue carbon projects, which, mm. you know, I think there was um, over the past year or maybe two years now, there was definitely um, a big push to make blue carbon projects. They became very, very popular um, because they actually remove, they remove carbon instead of reduce it um, most of the time. So it's considered a nature-based removal removals are going to be more expensive than reductions. So you can kind of think about it this way. the the more like the more um, the bigger the project is, like land wise, where it's based, and also you know all of the factors that go into it um, and how it's, you know how much it costs to actually build that project, probably the the stronger the credits going to be. So a lot of those projects, you know, I'll take blue carbon as an example. Um, they're very, very involved. Um, there may be in areas that are harder to work in. There's just a lot of um, factors um, for price um, for the actual for the actual price to build and maintain the project. There may be other places that are a little bit easier to get to and um, more developed. So all of this is going to come into play. In a lot of those projects, the the bigger ones. Um, like a blue carbon is considered, you know, very high quality, very, very high quality. So, yes, in that point, it is, you know, your credits are going to be more expensive. Um, so you can kind of think of how involved the project is um, for the most part, how many co benefits it says it has, um, aligned with quality, right? So those credits will be more expensive. Yeah. On the other end of the scale, um, you know, you might have a credit, like I was saying, that falls under that umbrella of Corsia that um He wasn't as expensive to produce. Um, Maybe it's from a project that's been around a long time, has less, you know, is less hard to maintain. And in that case, the price is going to reflect that or it should reflect that and and be, you know, a little, you know, much cheaper. Maybe I think right now it's around, like I said, like 90 cents. That's probably for a Corsia credit. So yeah, we're seeing a wide, wide range. And that is, I think quality is the differentiating factor in, in price, in my opinion.
0: Okay. Gotcha. So, okay, here's one from Joseph. What are the standards which need to be met for the various types of projects? For example, solar, forestry, environmentally sound products, et cetera.
1: Um, Let's see. So, for the various types of projects, for all the standards, I mean, I think that these standards are, you know, they're written within the methodologies. for the, the various registries. So that would be, you know, what I would what I'd say, you know, every methodology, it's kind of like, i say like carbon credits, they're kind of like snowflakes. Methodologies are kind of like snowflakes too. You have a certain type of project. Um, and within that project type, there's different climate, you know, project methodologies that are under that umbrella. So it can get very, very detailed. So a solar project is going to have, you know, different standards than, um, you know, say a forestry or you know project. So I think that's really what I would say about that. So I think that the environmentally sound part comes from, I guess, that verification.
0: Yeah.
1: It's very and detailed. You have to look into you know the different types.
0: And as someone who's familiar with methodologies, I'm sure you've uh, gone through all of them. <laughs> so,
1: unfortunately, yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: here's, here's one from Stephen. Is trans. Transparency for carbon credit buyers a top priority. Seems like the firms voluntarily buying credits may not see how the offset is being performed.
1: I I think that it should. I do think that it's becoming more and more a top priority, especially you know in this day and age when you know. Day, like I said, it's a very delicate market, right? It's very delicate, and um, it's very misunderstood in terms of the science aspects. So I think that it, it, transparency is definitely becoming a top priority, as um, transparency in you know how the project is being run, the emissions baselines, all the way up to the price, um, because everything you know with the ver- with the um, the standards that are you know being set now, it's all about just making sure that. Um, There is that transparency, honestly, and that they know people, you know, whenever you buy a credit, you know exactly what went into it. And you can rest assured that, you know, X, Y, Z standards were met. um, The proper verification was done. The proper monitoring was done. And I think that, you know, that already has become a a priority. So I think that now, because of that scrutiny and kind of the... um, it's worrisome, you know, they buy up carbon credits and then there's an, you know, if you have a chance, they're going to possibly be invalidated by mm-hmm. the media. I mean, that's, you would definitely want to make sure that what you're buying is going to be, you know, up stuff and exactly what you, you say that you, you purchased. It's becoming really, really important.
0: Right. Right. And just below that, uh, Eric Thank you for the link with all the abbreviations and all the acronyms that is going into my, uh, my, my saved link. So I appreciate that. So, but with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Uh, Bridget, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for shedding some light on the offset, but the voluntary offset markets, I should say. Uh, And thank you to the audience for turning it for tuning in. Uh, Please join us again on Monday. Uh, Barron's senior managing editor Lauren R Rubin will be, will be speaking with senior writer, Nicholas Jasinski and Ted Bridges, uh, co-founder and CEO of Bridges Trust, about the investment outlook, first quarter earnings, and the results of Barron's Spring 2023 big money poll for big money poll of professional investors. Sorry about that. Thanks for listening. Everyone stay well. Have a nice day. Have a great weekend. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. The energy transition is a long and winding road, and it needs to be taken step by step. Learn more at SiemensEnergy.com.